Good morning, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to this week's Highway Community Podcast. Today, we are concluding our teaching series for the Advent season entitled No Stranger, The Beauty of God With Us, where we have been exploring together the very deep and profound empathy that Jesus shares with us as a result of entering into the world in human form and the peace and the hope that emerged from that. And as we've looked at the story of Jesus's coming and stories from his life that highlight just how intimately he understands our human experience, we've seen that Jesus is no stranger to chaos. He's no stranger to marginalization. He's no stranger to temptation, no stranger to busyness, no stranger to grief and loss, and no stranger to forgiveness. And this morning, as our series comes to a close, we're going to see that Jesus is also no stranger to sacrifice, which is something that is not just evident at the end of his life, but something that is actually a part of the fabric of his story from the beginning. In the Gospel of Luke, after Luke tells the story of the angel's visit to the shepherds and the shepherds' visit with Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus, Luke chapter 2, verse 21 says that on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. Genesis chapter 17 commanded that all baby boys be circumcised on the eighth day as a physical sign of being a part of Abraham's covenant. And Luke notes here that as a part of observing that very important rite, Mary and Joseph also officially named their son Jesus. Now, names in the ancient world carried a tremendous amount of significance. In the ancient world, names were not just given because they sounded good. They were given because they represented something. They were given with the intention of representing something about a person's nature or a person's character. And the name Jesus is no exception. Jesus is the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew name Joshua which means God is salvation. And so Jesus's name very much proclaims both who he is and what he came to do. It proclaims Jesus's identity as God and the salvation in the form of deliverance of sin that he came to bring. And as Luke's narrative continues... We see that a few weeks after Jesus' circumcision, Joseph and Mary returned to Jerusalem to take part in some other important ceremonies that were required by God's law. The purification of a woman 40 days after giving birth to a child, the presentation of the firstborn to God, and the dedication of the firstborn to the Lord's service. And as they went... Luke chapter 2, verse 25, says that there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. 
He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And so we hear in those verses that the Holy Spirit had promised Simeon that he would not die before seeing the Lord's Messiah. And Simeon was waiting for that promise to be fulfilled. And we can only imagine what that must have been like. With every year that passed and and found him yet another year older, Simeon must have wondered if this would be the year that the promise would be fulfilled. Luke chapter 2, verse 27, says that moved by the Spirit, Simeon went into the temple courts. And so at the prompting of the Holy Spirit, Simeon goes to the temple. He's been given this promise, but the reality is he has no idea exactly what he's looking for. And so there is Simeon in the midst of all of the hustle and bustle of the temple, in an act of faith, watching and waiting. And you can, you can just imagine him looking all around, scanning the crowd, sizing up all of the people, wondering with each child that he sees, is that the one? Is that the Christ? And then, as he is watching and waiting, he sees this very young, very ordinary couple. And from the moment that Simeon saw them, he knew. Luke chapter 2, verse 27, says, When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. And so Simeon sees the baby Jesus, sweeps him up into his arms in the temple, and breaks into a song of praise, a song that has become known through the years as the Nunc Dimittis, after the first two words of the Latin translation, which mean, Now you dismiss. And the word that's translated as dismiss in Luke chapter 2, verse 29, is a military word that's used to describe a soldier who had stood watch during the night and then, as the sun comes up, goes to his commanding officer and asks to be released from duty. And it captures... Simeon's understanding that 
as he takes Jesus into his arms, he can now be dismissed from his watch for the Messiah. Because, as he says in verse 30, my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. And so Simeon knew in that moment that the promise that the Spirit had made to him had been fulfilled. There's a painting by the Dutch artist Rembrandt that very famously portrays this moment. And it pictures Simeon holding the baby Jesus. And the expression on his face is this incredible mix of awe and wonder and peace and relief. And all of those emotions are because Simeon has seen salvation. And it's a person. All of those emotions are because Simeon has seen salvation, and it's this little child that he is holding in his arms. This child who Simeon calls a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Now, all the way back in Genesis chapter 12, God promised Abram that he would bless him, that he would make his name great, and that he would make him one day into a nation through whom all peoples on earth would be blessed. And all throughout the Old Testament, we see God reaffirming that promise. He reaffirmed it to Isaac. He reaffirmed it to Jacob. Later, he told Moses that one day a great prophet would come and be unlike any other that had come before. Then he promised David a son that would reign on his throne forever. Then he spoke through the prophet Isaiah and promised a son that would be born of a virgin and that his name would be Emmanuel, God with us. Then the prophet Micah proclaimed that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And now, here in Luke chapter 2, after generations of promises, Simeon recognizes that in his arms is the fulfillment of all of this, including that very last phrase of Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, where God says that all peoples on earth will be blessed through you, which is echoed by Simeon's pronouncement of Jesus as a light for revelation to the Gentiles. And so as Simeon is, is holding the baby Jesus and experiencing the awe and the wonder of this promise that's been fulfilled, he sees the fullness of it. He sees that Jesus didn't only come for the people of Israel. He came to bring the gift of salvation for everyone. And after Simeon concludes his song of praise, 
he offers some words of blessing and prophecy to Jesus' parents. Luke chapter 2, verse 34 says, Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. So Simeon tells Mary that this child that he is holding in his arms will cause division. He tells her that this child that he is holding will cause many to fall and many to rise. And that he will be a sign that will create tension and reveal the thoughts of many hearts. And so Simeon makes it very clear here to Jesus' mother that the way ahead for her son will be controversial. And not only that, it will also involve sacrifice. Simeon says to Mary at the end of verse 35, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. And so Simeon looks at the baby Jesus and sees 33 years into the future. He looks at Jesus and sees the agony that Mary would go through watching her son pierced on the cross. He knows that the salvation that Jesus embodies will involve sacrifice, which is in line with the words of the prophet Isaiah from Isaiah chapter 53, which says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Now, not only does Simeon's mention of this sword that would pierce Mary's own soul too look forward toward that final sacrifice that Jesus would make on the cross in order to redeem and restore the sin of humankind, but there's also a sense, I think, in which it reminds us of all of the sacrifices that Jesus would make along the way as well. The sacrifice of leaving his position with his Father in heaven and setting aside his rights and his power and his authority in order to enter into the chaos and the brokenness of the world. The sacrifices of, of Mary and Joseph their reputations and their livelihoods and their home as they fled for Egypt and lived as refugees 
in order to protect their son from King Herod. The sacrifice Jesus would make to endure and withstand the temptations that were hurled at him in the wilderness and not harness his power for himself or test his father's faithfulness or circumvent the timing of his father's plan. The sacrifice to set aside time to commune with his father and stay connected and experience restoration as he was about the work of fulfilling his father's mission. The sacrifice of truly walking alongside others and entering into the pain and grief of losing a beloved friend to death. The sacrifice of forgiving those who rejected him, beat him, betrayed him, spat on him, mocked him, and crucified him. Jesus was no stranger to sacrifice. And he was no stranger to sacrifice because sacrifice is at the very heart of the gift of love that he came to bring. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And so God showed his overwhelming, never-ending, reckless, unconditional love for us by sending his Son as a sacrifice for our sins. And so there is this very rich sense in which the story of Jesus' coming points to his calling. This very rich sense in which it points to the journey of sacrifice that would really characterize the entirety of Jesus' life, all the way up to and including the cross. And all of that very poignantly reminds us, of course, that as his followers, that is our calling as well. Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, verse 34, that whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And the apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. 
And so we are called to take up our cross as we follow Jesus. We are called to offer ourselves as living sacrifices. And as we celebrate Christmas this week, nine months now into the COVID-19 pandemic, there's definitely a sense in which I think we are much more attuned to and intimately familiar with sacrifice than we would be under more normal circumstances. Because we've endured a lot of it this year. But some of those sacrifices have been made voluntarily, and others, not so much. But regardless, this year, uh, very much like Jesus, we find ourselves no strangers to sacrifice and, and all of its costs. Whether that's heartbreak, discomfort, loss, or other feelings. And there's something wonderfully profound, I think, in all of that. And not only does Jesus understand our experience more intimately than we can imagine based on his own human experience, but there's also a sense in which what we are experiencing, what we have experienced and are continuing to experience, connects us more deeply and more intimately with Jesus's own journey. And ultimately, to the journey that he has called each one of us to as his followers. And that's the journey of loving sacrificially. Loving God sacrificially with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind and all of our strength and loving our neighbors sacrificially as well. And so as we celebrate God's gift of sacrificial love to us through the coming of his son Jesus this year, I want to invite you to consider what God has been showing you about sacrifice. What has God been revealing to you about sacrifice through your experience of this year? What has he been showing you about the costs? And how might that inform you going forward in this COVID season and beyond. Where do you sense God inviting you to be a living sacrifice? Where is he inviting you to take up your cross? Who is he inviting you to love sacrificially? 
as recipients of God's gift of sacrificial love. May we follow in the way of Jesus and offer ourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Would you pray with me? Father, we are grateful this morning for this season. We're grateful for the reminder that it is for us of the way that you have shined your light into the darkness through your son, Jesus. And we're grateful also for the reminder that it is of the sacrifice that was at the very core of every facet of that journey that Jesus would make. And Father, as we find ourselves entrenched in a really difficult season, we're grateful for the peace that comes from knowing that Jesus is no stranger to our experience. Father, I pray that as we celebrate Christmas this year, that you would open us up to the things that you are showing us. Would you show us, Father, the places where you would have us love sacrificially in the way of Jesus? We offer ourselves to you as living sacrifices. May our lives be holy and pleasing. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>